What's happening, financial coaches? It's Pete here. Hey, um, this is the first video that I have done on this channel that is a direct response to your feedback from our Facebook group. So if you're watching these videos and you haven't joined our Facebook group, I think there's a link in the description. Feel free to come on over. Small group of people were very intimately connected here, being able to answer questions, get experience, and people are at different stages. And so I actually put up a poll and one of the top results there was to gain exposure, right? And this is good for either building a business from scratch or getting more clients or expanding the reputation with your clients and, and satisfaction and some of those things. And so as I was thinking about gaining exposure, um, there are a number of things that I would say, hey, here are some strategies to gain exposure. But I wanted to deep dive into one of those uh, right now. And um, then I'll give you the rest in another video. But one of the ways to gain exposure and this should be probably a pretty obvious one. And I'm going to give you my tactics on it because this is an area that I think I've been uh, pretty successful in, in particular. Here's a lot of control. Uh, but it's create a killer presentation, not just a presentation, a killer presentation. And in fact, I would say that if your presentation is mediocre, standard, run of the mill, sensical, sensible, sensical, sensible, you know, uh, maybe just the conventional wisdom, I wouldn't give it. I probably wouldn't give it because it's not going to differentiate you. If you're doing a presentation on how to budget or, I don't know, you know, uh, how to buy insurance or, you know, how to open an online savings account, you know, those things I think will get some traction, but they're not going to be a really differentiator. And they're not going to be a killer presentation where the people are going to talk to the person that organized it afterwards and say, that was awesome. I would love to see some more speakers like that. Can that person come back? And then most importantly, I think the call to action here is, you know, how do I reach out to you and do this? And I want to um, give you a couple examples here. You know, there's a guy, uh, his name his name is Robin, kind of like Batman and Robin. And um, you can probably find him, Robin Mueller. And he is a social security expert. And so he does presentations on social security strategies. So before you take social security, what do you have to think about to maximize that income? right? To get the most possible, right? To, to get the most possible for your family structure and lifestyle. And there's a lot of things to take into account, right? Were you married before? Were you Are you divorced? Do you have a spouse? Were you both working? Were just one of you working? Those types of things, right? The, the dimensions of it. It's a great presentation. It's a great workshop, a great way to spend 90 minutes. And it's killer. It's killer, man. And what ends up happening after that is Robin gets lots of inbounds about, hey, how do I meet with you? How do I sit down with you? How do I pick your brain about our situation and get some, some guidance? So that's one, you know, and I've done lots of stinker presentations and, you know, sometimes you just don't know what's going to be killer and sometimes you you uh, don't know what's going to be viral and sometimes you just have to kind of lean in when you get those signals that you've got something that really works. There are a lot of times I've tested presentations and I've thought, hey, that was okay, but the feedback from it was awesome. And there were a lot of times I gave something and I thought it was okay and it was crickets too. So you just don't know. And some of that's going to be testing. I'll talk a little bit about this, but here are my tips for creating a killer presentation, something that's really unique, something that has a lot of value, something that keeps people's attention as you're going through it, something that's almost like watching uh, a, a documentary or TV show that people are riveted by. This is the killer presentation. When I talk about killer presentations, these are the kinds of presentations that you'll see in TED Talks or at conferences and conventions, right? Someone holds the stage and you are just riveted for 20 minutes. There are, maybe there are no slides. Maybe there are no props. Maybe it's someone pacing back and forth on the stage with a microphone, just speaking into it. It maybe can be monotone and it's just such amazing content. You are wrapped up in it the entire time. 
right? So maybe there are a lot of special effects and great visuals and videos, and maybe it's really emotional and maybe it's really rehearsed. You know, it doesn't really matter. The killer presentation is the one that people are riveted by and then motivated to do something on. And so this is um, some of the ways that I think it relates to us when we're doing financial presentations. So first of all, my first tip on this is uh, focus on something you've done, a story of your own success. Now, this is where a little bit of um, you're going to have to decide that what you do is good enough. What I mean by that is that you may have done something that you think is pretty mundane, that you don't really give yourself a pat on the back for. But for someone else who's really struggling with that, you know, the way you did it and the fact that you did it might be really, really impressive. And I and I bring this up because I'm, I might say, like, we're going to get to the big reveal at the end here, but, you know, Things that might be riveting to some people are how I paid off $20,000 of credit card debt, how I saved $10,000 for an emergency fund, how I paid off my house or my car early or my credit card or my personal loan or my student loan, right? How I went on vacation for free. All of these topics are kind of intriguing. And you might say how, you know, let's say at my presentation is how to save $500. You might say, well, that's stupid. You know, I mean, there's a million tactics out there for saving $500. Um, a little flying here, there's going to be really distracting for people. It's distracting for me. Um, but don't underestimate that. Don't underestimate the number of people that are struggling with every aspect of finance. So if you have scored something, if you have done something really well, you know, even if you think it's small, the way you did it, the method that you did it, how you integrate it in your life, it could be riveting for other people. So if you have done it, I would start with that. If you have mastered something, if you actually thought it was really easy, that might be a good indication that you need to share that because to you, it might be second nature. But for someone else who's struggling with it, uh, you know, they may not even try it because they think it's impossible. And you might say, well, that is so easy. You know, I think about like, hey, if you were a farmer and I asked you, hey, would you do a video on how to milk a cow? And they said, dude, I milk hundreds of cows a day. I don't think anyone would care about that. I mean, it's super easy. Well, just because it's easy for you doesn't mean it is conventional wisdom to anyone else. So don't underestimate the power of the small things that you've done, but embrace the things that you have done so that you can speak to them directly, so that you can speak to questions that might dig a little deeper, go beyond scratching the surface, and because that makes you an authority on it because you've done it as opposed to you are theorizing about it, right? Did a whole nother video on authority. All right. Now, also, one of the things that I think you should do here, and this is kind of has a couple different aspects to it, but it's focus on the negative. Now, I know in coaching books and what drives me kind of batty sometimes is that the coaching experience is supposed to only be positive. And I don't I don't think that's actually true. And a lot of coaches will stick with things like um, I only ask questions in a positive way, like, you know, from this experience, what is something good that came out of it or whatever? I don't think those questions are bad, but the idea that we only have to embrace the positive, I think, is ignoring the idea that life can be bad sometimes. And embracing the pain and the hurt of that is sometimes more powerful and effective than trying to find the good, because sometimes we will try to avoid hurt in the future. And if that gets us off our butt, if it makes us motivated, if it makes us inspired to do something, I think that's just as powerful. Now, most people will put more energy into avoiding um, pain than they will in gaining pleasure. And sometimes I've heard rules of thumb of it's two to one. So think about this. Like if I were to take $20 away from you and you wanted to 
prevent me from doing it. You might lock your house. You might hide the money. You might do all these things. I mean, you might go to an extreme to hide this $20 from me, for, from me to, you know, if I were collecting it from you. But what would you do to gain an additional $20? Would you show up at your uh, office or your workplace on a Saturday and, and work three more hours? Would you, you know, hey, uh, do this delivery. It's going to be an hour drive out there. And then you're going to have to carry a couch upstairs or whatever it might be. You probably wouldn't. Most people will not do the same amount of work to gain something that they will to avoid the pain of losing it, right? So pain works. Fear sells is another phrase, right? Uh, people will do things because of FOMO, the fear of missing out. So um, sometimes embracing the negative has a lot of value. This is something that can kind of influence the way you present or you title things. So let's start with titling. Um, so I just talked about all these things that you could talk about, right? How to pay off $20,000 of debt. Great topic. I think people will be interested in it. But if you think about how do we um, kind of spark the urgency with it in a negative sense, like, a title, and I'm just spitballing here, like five mistakes people make when trying to pay off debt or four things that you think are helping you save money but are actually hurting you, right? There's a subtle difference here because if it's just how do I do something, I think even if that's something that you're working on, we have this tendency to say, well, I actually know intellectually what the answer is, right? I actually know what I should do to lose weight. I actually know what I should do to get ahead financially. Um, I need to cut expenses. I need to cut sugar out of my life. I need to get more exercise, right? It's not always the head knowledge. And so the titles at the beginning are great because they explain what we're going to do, but it also kind of leads to um, a head knowledge issue. It's an informational session, right? But when I put that negative spin on it, suddenly I'm uh, catering to the idea that you want to avoid pain. Sometimes I'm um, scratching at that itch of yours to say, hey, if I don't go to this session, is this going to be painful to me? Am I going to be making the mistakes people make when they try to pay off debt or when they're trying to save? I don't, I'm not sure that I know what those are. I know the things that you're supposed to do, but I'm not sure if I'm doing some of the things that I'm not supposed to. And so it starts putting this FOMO effect in people's minds and, and the fear of maybe doing something that everyone else is, especially when you say, hey, the five most common mistakes that... Uh, that are made when it comes to claiming Social Security or the five most uh, common mistakes people make in a job interview, right? Are you going to be more inclined to watch that video or the, go to that workshop or seminar than it would be like five things you should do in a job interview, right? Uh, and they can actually be the exact same things, but just spun a little bit differently. You're kind of looking at the mirror image of them. And I think those will help on the marketing. It'll also make people realize, hey, um, you know, this was really good. This was really valuable right? Because these are things that I tend to do. Um, so, you know, focus on the negative, right? You know, we want to be positive about things, but don't be afraid to embrace the negative side of these things. Now, the other big feedback, and this is, comes from years of doing this, but years of doing workshops and webinars and all these other things. And this is why I think YouTube channels and some of the podcasts are gaining in popularity because they dive into the tactics. One of the most important things that um, I have realized over the years is doing surveys and gaining feedback from people. And one of the most common pieces of feedback that I have gotten, dramatic pause, is that the information needs to be more tactical, tactical, needs to be more actionable. And this was coming from lots of webinars and workshops, not just put on by me, but people on our team that, you know, we were giving information that was correct but it wasn't really giving new ideas, if that makes sense, right? You can talk to people about, hey, you should 
think about retirement. You should set up a retirement savings account. You should save more for retirement. You want this money out there so it generates income. Well, most people know that, but they want to know, how do I save more money? Where do I save more money? You know, what are the things that I need to do to prep that money so that it is income in retirement? And then if I need to generate income, how do I do that? Do I just withdraw? Do I annuitize it? You know, all these other things, right? The devil's in the details and people want specifics. People want tactics. So I have some suggestions for this. So in your presentation, uh, you know, whether it's five things to avoid when paying off debt or the five most common mistakes that people make when buying their first home or whatever it is, right? You want them to be very specific and actionable. So how do you do this? One, I think if you've done this, like I said, something you've done, something you have experience with is I would use something that BJ Fogg kind of calls a swarm of behaviors. And I just call it like uh, the multiple action matrix. You know, we won't get into that, but just write down all the things that you could think. Right, all the things that you think are really important to this, and hopefully it'll be more than five. Sometimes they aren't. You know, sometimes a presentation can be three things, whatever it might be. But let's think about this. Like um, the five, like say the presentation is the five most common mistakes people make when buying their first home. Well, you could write down all the things that you can think of that you should do to buy a home. Get a real estate agent, check your credit score, work on your credit, pay off other debt. You know, save up money for a down payment. You know, uh, whatever it is, find a mover. Uh, make a checklist of what you want, whatever it is, right? Now think of the things that you made mistakes on, right? Um, okay, so I, you know, I made a mistake because I moved money around in my bank accounts, you know, beforehand in 90 days. I had some money uh, that I took out of 401k. I got a gift from my parents that wasn't uh, well-documented, whatever it is, right? And now just take a look at all of these and let's kind of look at them from an ease of action and the impact that they have. Because what we wanna do here is really create a killer presentation. We wanna give you advice that seems actionable and maybe easy, but also makes a huge difference in this process, right? So ease of action and the amount of impact. And what I wanna do is try to identify them based on those two metrics. And so sometimes I'll just go and I'll just say like, easy, medium, or hard, right? And I'll just put like a little E by the things that are really easy. Okay, well, that's the first cut. And then I'll go through them all again. And I'll say, what are the most impactful? What are the ones that have the biggest impact on what we're doing, have the most value, um, you know, are the biggest moonshots, you know, that were the most important. And I'll just put I or something like that. And then I'll see where I have an E and an I, right? Though the ones that kind of match on both dimensions. And then I'll look at them and hopefully there isn't a lot of overlap, but that's really often where my presentations start. You know, what are the easiest things to do that have the biggest impact? And I'll take those and then, like I said, kind of manipulate them into something, right? So maybe the big one is that I want to sell off all my old furniture that I'm not going to take to the new place to raise cash to put as a down payment on the home, all right? So that's a great thing. Now I have to think about how I'm going to title this because maybe my thing is the five biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to home buying and that tactic of selling the stuff I don't want to take. One, it gets rid of it. It uh, helps me not have to move it or store it. It allows me to free up the cash, which makes my financial picture look better when I'm applying. So these are all the, the reasons that you can explain it. But you the, the actual um, step on your presentation might be not selling your furniture. The big mistake you make is not selling your furniture, right? And then you can kind of go into it. And people might say, well, not selling your furniture. What does that mean? And that's where you give all those explanations, right? So and that's very tactical. It's not just something like save money for the down payment. But now here's an idea of how we can maybe have a win-win-win and get money for your down payment. 
All right. So these form of behaviors, you know, and again, avoiding the conventional wisdom, avoiding giving bullet points here or tips or tricks that they already know. As soon as you start having more of those, it's not a problem because some people might be really versed in this. But if you're giving a presentation, they're like, oh, yeah, I knew that one. I knew that one. Suddenly their eyes are going to start to wander. They, you know, a couple of people are going to nod and wink to each other. Yeah. You know, and they're going to say, hey, that was a good presentation, but it was certainly forgettable. It certainly wasn't memorable. There's nothing about that that demonstrated that you have information for me that I'm going to find valuable. There's, there's nothing that says that I need to connect with you for some more of these great nuggets. In fact, sometimes the best presentations are 10 things that people get wrong when buying their first home. But the presentation only goes over the first five, right? Now we've got this hook of like, what are the other five? Those five were fantastic. And I'm about to buy a home. I'm about to buy my fourth home. And some of these I haven't heard before. What are those other five? You know, I know we don't have time to get over, go over them today, but uh, I do have that. If you want to reach out to me, great. And that's the thing that I wanted to bring up here is your call to action, right? So regardless of whether you get through three, five, or 10, or however long your presentation is, what do you want out of this presentation? And this can be a lot of different things. For me, one of the things was, you know, if you want me to present this to your group, you know, here's how to reach out to me. If you want to get on my mailing list, here's my uh, link to the URL to get a free handout as well as find out about uh, future releases on content, right? Or maybe you want them to buy your book, or maybe the, you want them to sign up as a financial coach with you, or maybe you want to, um, you know, just send out your marketing materials or create an email list or a referral group or something like that. I don't know, but like, make sure that you put your call to action in it and that it aligns with what they're, what value they're getting. Because it's really tough when you do a great presentation and they don't know what to do next and they don't know how to reach out to you if that's what they want to do. So I've seen a lot of swings and misses where the presentation is great, but their email address or the phone number, they're not giving out the business cards and they're not giving out uh, a form at the end that says, hey, what did you think of this presentation? And fill out this section if you want me to reach out to you later. So, so do those. Um, the other thing, and this is a little bit of a pro tip here, and I've done this too with some success, but you might be better off with it, is you can even think outside the box here and be even more unique with your idea on a presentation. And in fact, the, the one time I would think that I was most unique was we actually had a game. The presentation was a game itself, and it was about insurance and, you know, the the probabilities of things happening. And, you know, the point I wanted to make was the value of insurance. And so we were doing this presentation that said things like, what are the odds that you're struck by lightning or that you get into the NBA or that you get a scholarship of more than $5,000, right? So just some interesting factoids and the game was matching those percentages up and we had teams and then we would reveal the answers. And um, some of these things were like, uh, you know, be disabled for 90 days or more, right? So there was there were, there were financial tips in there, but it was set up like teams playing a game and a little bit of like a trivia night type of thing. And so while it didn't do as much in terms of showcasing my expertise on things, I certainly got to facilitate it, but it was much more interactive. And so you've got to decide what is the best way to engage your population. And if they're younger or if they're kids, it might be one thing, or if they're older and intellectuals and intelligentsia it might be a different thing. But you know, you can think outside the box and come up with something that is beyond just PowerPoints, right? And in some ways that just might get people to uh, nod off. But if you come up with something that's uh, really interactive, like a game or a contest or a trivia or uh, a game show type format, or maybe you're just asking questions and, and, and throwing candy out to the people who get it. Again, that's probably not my style per se, 
But if you can work it, if it works well for you and your audience, then I would embrace it. I would, I would take that and run with it. Now, my last tip about giving killer presentations here, dramatic pause. Practice makes perfect, and you will know this, but um, I abide by this myself. And uh, this is where I give it away for free. And usually what I will do is I will make a rough cut of a presentation, something that I think is good. And um, there are a number of local meetups here, you know, people that are looking to build wealth or work from home or be successful or, you know, um, find your niche or find your passion or whatever it might be. And so sometimes if I have a presentation that I think that will apply to some of these groups, I will reach out to them or a person and I'll say, hey, I've got this presentation and I, you know, it's, 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 an, it's, it's a rough cut of something that I'm working on, but I would love to present it to you and give feedback. That's all I'm really doing. Now, I have been surprised on this in many ways in that sometimes um, I'm there for hours. I give the presentation, people love it, and I can tell there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of motivation around it, and people just want to keep asking questions, and we just get into conversations and stuff like that. So I'm surprised sometimes, and that's where you know that you might have a killer presentation because now with refinement, it's going to even be better. Um, so I, that's what I'm hoping you're looking for. I'm hoping that people will continue to ask questions. And honestly, when you get the questions, those are might be pieces where you're where you've got a gap in your presentation. Maybe you can head off those questions, uh, put in the information earlier, so you'll learn a lot from them. Now, if it's crickets, if people are uh, excited to go, if they're not asking for your handout, if they really have no feedback on it or whatever, well, maybe that's not a great one. But I think what you want to do is you want to uh, prove it out on a small level. Even if one person shows up, I've had it where we've had 40, 50 people RSVP for a presentation and maybe a dozen show up. I've had it where we've had maybe 20 people show up and two people, or 20 people RSVP and two people show up. And I have still done the presentation as I would do it, whether it's one person or two people. And if no one shows up, to be honest, and luckily I've never had that problem, but I'll still give it to an empty room. You know, there's not going to be any feedback, so I'm not going to get the value that I wanted out of it, but I'm going to give it like I'm going to give it because what I want to know is how does it work? Because now I can go back and do my version 2.0 and, you know, um, put in the information that maybe addresses some of the questions, change some of the slides, and then I do the baking of it. I put in my final graphics, my final animations. I don't sweat that stuff early on because if it doesn't work and I'm just going to jettison a slide or jettison the whole talking point, you know, I don't want to have built a lot of effort around it. So practice makes perfect. It also helps you on your talking points. It helps you on your cadence. helps you figure out the language that people um, like to hear and that resonates with them. And so you're going to figure out what to keep and what to drop, and it's going to help put that polish on it so that when you give it professionally for the first time, when you reach out to that uh, chamber group or you reach out to that realtors group or you know the uh, educators group or whatever, and you're giving that presentation, you know it's already been tried. You know what the questions are that are coming up. You've got the presentation down. You've given it multiple times. You know maybe just the once in front of people, but maybe you've given it a dozen times at your desk or in your your closet or your office or wherever it might be. And so you're going to go out there and you're going to snail it. You're going to slam it. You're going to crush it because now you have a killer presentation. You have the process. You have the questions. You have all that content built up in a way that's going to be intriguing for people, that's going to feed on their FOMO, that's going to bring people in, that's got a call to action, that's going to help build your business. So those are my tips for gaining more exposure by creating a killer presentation. I hope that helps. See you later.